Welcome to the Unnamed Murder Podcast. Murder Podcast. With your hosts, Sophie and Ellie. How are you, Els? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad at all. That's great news. How are you guys, listeners? Oh, uh, well, I bet they're really happy because it's their time for their favourite podcast again, isn't it? It must be. So, there we go. And if you haven't listened to the Patreon already and had a double dose of Sophie and Ellie, then what are you playing at? Get over there first, yeah. then come back here. I think you should subscribe to the Patreon. Will it make your life better? Probably. Probably. All the like Richie. times ten. Because, like we said before, it's not just murder on there, it's murder adjacent. It's true. So, I know what you were thinking. Oh, gosh, when was the last time I heard about the Manning Tree Witch Trials? It's been too long. Yeah. Well, there you go. I Hop need... onto the Patreon. I need more of the Unnamed Murder podcast in my life. Where can I go? What what resources can I use? Well, it's your lucky day because we're going to put <laughs> a link in this episode oh, so you are. can join the Patreon. Oh my God, how exciting. Now, <laughs> it's my turn to do a little Quizlet hey, for Ellie. I love the Quizlets. So, this is called More or Less Deadly. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so basically, like the name describes, you've got to tell me, I'm going to give you two things. You've mm-hmm. got to say animals, they're all animals. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you two animals. You've got to say which one is more or less deadly. And I'll give you some parameters. Basically, it's based on how many deaths per year on average this animal causes. Okay. That can be through, like, you know, attacking or if it spreads disease. Like, just deaths that they cause. You got that? I got it. I'm ready. Perfect. So, number one, which is more deadly? Uh-huh. Sharks or crocodiles? Crocodiles. You are correct. Oh. Crocodiles kill approximately between 1,000 and 5,000 people per year, compared to sharks that only kill, like, six or seven people per year. Yeah, see, I knew that from watching, like, you know, Shark Week and stuff like that. Because they say, like, you know, sharks don't want to attack you. They think you're, like, food or something like that. Or they're just defending themselves or something. So, like, yeah, and I'm not being funny. I'd bite you too if you came in my house. It's true. It's very true. And I guess, like, sharks aren't that good at fighting on land where most people are. <laughs> yeah. So and, and I they've guess, got a disadvantage, And really. also, I think crocodiles come on, like, closer to land, don't they? So they're going to be on, like, riverbanks and things like that where more people will be. Whereas we're going out to find the sharks. So exactly. do you know what I mean? Just leave them alone. Leave exactly. the sharks alone. Leave them alone. Leave the sharks alone. <laughs> okay, number two. Okay, I'm ready. What is more deadly, mm-hmm. a crocodile or a hippopotamus? A hippopotamus. Oh, you're wrong. No. It's actually the crocodile keeps the crown. A hippopotamus <laughs> only kill about 500 people per annum. Oh. I mean, that actually still sounds like a lot. But compared to a crocodile, something uh, there's some kind of fact out there that, like, in water, they're faster than, like, a horse. I don't know why that made me laugh, because the idea of a horse speed hippo. They're super strong and they're super fast in the water. Like, if they come charging at you and you're in the water, you're dead. Yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. Okay, so number three, Mm -hmm. crocodiles or dogs slash wolves? Oh, um, I think people would die from, like, being bitten by a dog and then it would get infected or something like that, or... I'm going to take more dogs into that because I just think we're around them all the time. And I bet somebody's like, yeah, had like a uh, a bite from a dog and it's got infected or something like that or bled out. So I'm going to go dogs slash wolves. You are correct. Yay. They, um, like this across the world, obviously, 40 to 50,000 per year. Wow. And that's a lot of that is also from rabies and things like yeah. that, which they're obviously 
not you know not meaning to but they're spreading i think it's just we're around them a lot more than we are crocodiles i don't know i mean unless you you know live <laughs> yeah. in a swamp yeah there's someone who has like 10 pet crocodiles he's like well clearly this podcast isn't for me <laughs> yeah. just, how dare you stop listening right now yeah. okay and your last one oh. are you gonna are you gonna end on a high i don't know <laughs> right what's more deadly snakes or dogs slash wolves <sighs> so what was the numbers for dogs it was, I believe it was 40 to 50,000, yeah, 40 to 50,000 per year, per are, annum. Are snakes more deadly? People that die from snake bites. I'm still yeah. going to go dogs. Oh, she's lost it at the last no! hurdle. 100,000. Oh, I just thought there's so many I know. dogs. I thought that would get you. I thought that would get oh, you. No, I, I thought all of the actual deadly snakes are in places where there would be not many people like, you know, the Australian bush. Well, more like for that. you. Oh my god! <laughs> I would like you to know that I did try because Ellie, guys, is kind of scared of kangaroos, so I did try to find <laughs> right kangaroos. I like, I like to just justify this because this is a point of contention on every single like night out we go on. I just think if I was in a room alone with a kangaroo, I wouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like that, I would be dead because I just think like they're super strong and can stand up, and you know they wait in oceans to drown people. I'm scared of them. I respect them. No, well, exactly. But I was trying to find out where kangaroos would be on this list, but I couldn't really find the right. Can I just put some backup on this, guys? Like, if any of you, you know, have ever had an encounter <laughs> with a kangaroo or just like know what I'm talking about, if you're scared of kangaroos too, then just let me know. What animals do you respect and what animals do you not respect? Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Maybe we should add that as a poll. Which animals <laughs> do you respect? Not related totally to the podcast. Related, yeah. But I am really curious. I'm really curious because as we were saying like I don't feel like cows get enough respect and I feel like they do a lot for us so I'm quite I'm not scared of cows I'm just really intimidated by them if I'm too close to them because it's like horses right they're really fucking strong they probably don't know their own strength and if they wanted to they could probably kill me yes so I'm not being funny but I don't want to be anywhere near a cow (laughs) yeah what about a field of kangaroos I would I don't know what I'd do, don't, because that's actually made me a little bit sweaty, because if I tried to run in the opposite direction and they're all staring me down, they're going to beat me. Yeah, can't, they, are. they can, like, bounce fucking 30 <laughs> miles an hour. I can't run 30 miles an hour. I no. can't even bounce. No, <laughs> no true. So how true. am I going to get it's away? It's not a fair fight. They've got you. Please don't ever put me in a field full of kangaroos. I'm not going to do that. I'm definitely not going to do that. Guys, any kangaroo <laughs> facts? <laughs> Let us know. We're going to say kangaroo fans. Any ca- yeah, or any kangaroo fans. Yeah. That'd be great. Anyone who's like... Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Like, if you think we're doing kangaroos a big misjustice, mm. I would I would like to hear it. Tell me about it. Like, make a claim. And anyway, I'm going to take us swiftly on to actually what the podcast <laughs> yeah, sorry. is about, because we could discuss this all day. Mm. But it's the second episode for our Killer Doctors series. Mm. And I'll tell you what, guys... This one is wild. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. This guy is absolutely out of control. He's out of his mind. And I'm going to give Ellie the honour of saying who it is. His name is Dr. Marcel Petiot. So keep listening to find out more. Marcel Petiot was born on January 17th, 1897 in Auxerre, France. Now, from a young age, Marcel had some behavioural problems, mm. and these included firing a gun during school classes, 
propositioning other students for sex at age 11, theft and property damage. Now, at age 17, he was arrested for mail theft, as in from a postbox. <laughs> that confused me. That confused Ellie. She thought because he was a male. That's there's what it's there's male theft and then there's female theft. Yes. Well, this was the type into a postbox, stealing, stealing letters, I believe. I think that's super scummy because what there was something like a really important letter because they don't, you know, they probably didn't have too many phones. Well, I had a theory that it might be because he wanted to blackmail people. So he wanted to get like secrets. <laughs> so he wanted to find them in the in the letterbox because oh. as i'm just gonna say right now guys this marcel he's not okay this is a wild ride it's a and wild ride i'm sorry did i hear you say he was propositioning sex with his um classmates classmates at 11 at 11 years old 11 that's too young that's, that's too far too young <laughs> far too young as i don't think i even knew what it was at 11 no like that's crazy to what, me what is he doing and where's he got this delinquent behavior from because i didn't find too much about his upbringing in terms of his like parents or anything neither did i it just seems like he was a bit of a bad apple really yeah i think probably he had some psychological issues he, that kind of went yeah yeah undiagnosed for quite a long time and funnily enough that you say that oh, yeah when uh he was arrested for said male theft for blackmail purposes he was deemed unfit to stand trial uh, due to basically a psychiatric evaluation saying he wouldn't be mentally fit enough. Yeah. So as we know, he's showing some delinquent behaviour. He's quite mentally unwell. So then he joins the French army. And during a battle, he's wounded and suffers a mental breakdown and is basically moved to a rest home. This is during World War One, by the way, guys. Oh yeah, this is during um, World War One. Basically, once he was injured, he was put into a rest home and to recover from his injuries. And whilst he was there, he continued to begin petty theft again. This includes stealing blankets, morphines, letters and wallets. So he got in trouble again, basically, for all of this. Basically had another psychiatric evaluation highlighted more mental problems, and then he was returned to the front line. <laughs> when he was returned to... I know. It's, That's the place for him. It's, it's not looking good. We can't convict it? him because he's not mentally fit. I know where we'll send him. The front lines of World War One. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's not going well thus far. And in June 1918, he was discharged because he'd had an injury. Um, he injured his foot on a grenade. And his discharge mentioned that they thought he should be committed to an asylum yeah now ellie a question for you what are your thoughts do you think he's going to get committed to an asylum i think he definitely should be for his own safety i think for his safety and the safety of others <laughs> and, he definitely should be. and knowing what, what um this podcast is about and the kind of theme that we're kind of on here i think maybe that could have been a bullet that could have been dodged if some of those doctors might have committed him when he was 17 <laughs> i agree but alas actually what happened is he moved to the veterans division of the accelerated education unit and earned a medical degree in 1921 so he then moved to i'm going to pronounce this wrong so ellie will correct me villeneuve sur yon oh that's fine oh perfect and began working as a doctor now, as he was working as a doctor, he continued his love of theft. And basically, he would, when he would treat patients, he would get them to pay. And then he would also get money from the government. He would basically say that, oh, this patient can't pay for themselves. So oh. you'll pay on their behalf. So he was getting paid twice. 
oh smart <laughs> he also then he was got addicted to narcotics mm. he was also over prescribing narcotics and performing illegal abortions and all throughout this he would continue his favorite thing which was stealing at this point and he was it was actually quite well known that he he would go to like when he did patient visits he would go to patients houses and he would just steal stuff and people would be like okay yeah it's a bit weird but he's like a doctor so we'll <laughs> oh, just let it go here comes dr fidgety fingers again yeah, people were just like oh whatever <laughs> which i find so odd put away the silverware here yeah, he comes exactly here he comes but do you know what i find quite interesting is that obviously he was a very smart man to be able because I, I find anybody who can get like a medical get through a medical degree to be a smart person so, interestingly enough mm, i do agree with that did you know that the medical degree he took was eight months. Oh. It was an eight month degree to get his. Isn't it meant to be like three or four years? And then like a placement for another bit. Yeah, he became a doctor in eight months. Wow. I think they probably needed doctors quite desperately at this point. Yeah, they do to be fair. I do understand that, but I feel like you're not gonna get the best service. No. But apparently when he was when he was here, it was he was this young up and coming doctor and the other two general doctors were you know, a lot older, I guess it's a lot stuffy. more old fashioned. Yeah. yeah. And he would say, Well, I've just completed my training. So who do you think's more up to date? And he did secure like a lot of patients that way. Wow. Yeah. But you know, it probably harks back to this idea of people who go on to do these kind of crimes being quite charismatic. Yes. And I think from the sounds of it, he was he had quite a personality. He was well him. liked. He yeah. was definitely well liked. As I say, people didn't care about the stealing because they he liked him so much. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, he steals all of my stuff, but he's a great guy. But he's, yeah, he's just absolutely loved. Okay. So, yeah, there you go, guys. <laughs> Don't trust a thieving doctor. No. Although it cannot be confirmed, it said his first victim was Louise Delavaux, his lover and daughter of one of his patients. This was in 1926. Um, it said that she disappeared shortly after the two began their affair, and witnesses claimed to have seen Petiot clambering a large bag into the boot of his car before she was reported missing. It's a bit suspicious. Although no evidence could link him to her disappearance. Yes. Super suspicious. I think it was like two separate witnesses. Like, so yes, I exactly. Saw that. Like a body shaped bag. He was like clambering it into his car. Yeah, it doesn't bode well. And apparently the police, after just like a short investigation, decided she was a runaway. Yeah. And that was that. So again, I feel like there's lots of things here that could have been nipped in the bud quite early, exactly. but alas, no. And, and also, there was um, when he was working as a doctor, you're not automatically allowed to sign off death certificates. You have to like go through some sort of thing where you become that kind of doctor. Yes. So he was eventually kind of promoted to that. So God. he got to the point where he was allowed to sign death certificates like after a really short amount of time. So he had that power, you know, in in his belt, yeah. ready to pull that out whenever he needed to and i think we learned from harold shipman last week that's not good that's you need more it's a bad choice you bad need choice. more than one person yeah, yeah 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 so he did work as a doctor and was by all accounts quite well respected as we yeah. were saying so yeah people liked him yeah he's a bit you know a bit of a thief yeah but who doesn't have their flaws everyone's got their faults all right guys <laughs> exactly. he does a good job give him a break he decided then to run for mayor yeah. Now, guys, <laughs> we're just going to stop for a second. Decided to run for mayor. Just, just take that all in. Isn't that wild? Like, I've got to say, when I was researching this case, I didn't see it going that way. I can't get get ahead in my own life, and yet this <laughs> guy seems to be just like climbing the ladder. Who has that get up and go? Like, you know what, mayor? I think it was just the time, you know. Yeah. And do you know what the shocking thing is? 
he actually won. So, yes, he became the mayor of Villeneuve-Soyon because he, well, basically, this was thought to be this way, was that he fixed a public debate by hiring someone to cause a scene of fluster his opponent. So the corruption started way early on. He was was fixing debates. He was, like, you know, getting people to, like, probably vote for him on the sly by bribing them. Probably all of that kind of, like, bit of extortion. Exactly. Bit of this, bit of bribery, bit of blackmail. Why not? That's what politicians are for, isn't it? Exactly. So, yeah, he did win the position, but it wouldn't be very long-lived. He was forced to resign following a conviction for embezzlement and corruption. He would go to work in various political positions like the council and different seats, just not as the mayor. So he stayed in politics for quite a while. And I think you told me something which really made me crack me up. Yes, and basically, after he'd resigned for, you know, stealing... He was still part of the council, again, because he was really well-liked. Mm. And he then had to leave this position because he was stealing the city's electricity to basically use in his own property. Oh, my God, so wild. And I just think, what? The- You've been done for embezzlement, but still kept a position. Now you're stealing the town's electricity. This guy's this rap guy. sheet must be, like, the Bible. It's ridiculous. The gumption. Where did he get the gumption? He was, in fact, institutionalised for a short time for kleptomania and also arrested for prescribing illegal narcotics. But really mysteriously, the two addicts that he was prescribing these narcotics to went missing before the trial. Exactly. (laughs) So there were two witnesses who were meant to stand trial, um, Jean-Marc Van Beaver, which is a fantastic name, and... Oh, you're going to help me with this pronunciation. Marth Kate? Cat? Oh, Ma- yeah, Mart K? Mart K. I'm not sure. Apologies for not you, right. If you know, let us know. But basically, he said to, to Mart, okay, I know I'm, I've prescribed all of this medication to your family member, but can you just say it's to you so it doesn't look as bad in trial? And she agrees. And then she decides, actually... I don't want to lie. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. And then she goes missing, which is a bit unusual. Oh, yeah. I wonder why. Who could have done that? He was still convicted, though, and had to pay 2,400 francs. Mm. But not really much, really, when you think about it. No, and the money that he was making as a doctor, because... And embezzling. Oh, yeah, and all of that money he's getting from that as well. Um, He ended up moving to Paris. And despite this kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde act of like delinquent behaviour after delinquent behaviour, he managed to run a successful practice in Paris. Everyone believed that he was an intelligent and caring man, despite his flaws. Yes. How, you know, deceiving can appearances be? Mm. So he's kind of like, he's messing around here and there with a bit of theft, a bit of embezzlement. But then it's the kind of declaration of World War Two at this point. And this is when he kind of found, finds his like penchant for, you know, his 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 real passion. This is a time of like national unrest, as we know. Yeah. There was it's a war. It's a world war. It's a crazy the time. The second one I've heard. Yeah. The second one. Which they didn't know at the time. They you know, they just thought called it the war. He would have <laughs> they called it the war. They've already had the Great War. Yeah, but you know This is the second one. It's like Did they call it World War Two? No, I don't know. It's just that thing, isn't it? It's like you don't call it World War One in World War One because they didn't know there was gonna be another one. So I don't know what they called it in World War Two. Yeah, but in World War Two they would know it was the second one because the first one's already been. No, yeah, that seems kind of ultimate though, doesn't it? It seems finite. Okay. I'd just call it like, you know, the next war. <laughs> okay, but, well we'll discuss this. We'll, we'll discuss war, this later. Chapter two. <laughs> World chapter two. But 
all jokes aside, this I think is the worst thing that he's done. Um, this, so as I said, this is a time of national unrest. He would exploit the desperation of Jewish people attempting to flee Nazi-occupied France. With the help of accomplices and under the name of Dr Eugène, he would invite Jews to his practice under this guise of safe passage out of France to Argentina, I think you said. Yeah, Argentina. Um, charging, get this, 25,000 francs for such services. Can you imagine how much that would be? Uh, there's an estimation that's at around half a million euros today. That's so, absolutely insane. So the only people that are going to afford... So so not only, you know, saying, okay, give me a bit of money just to cover, like, you yeah. know, the vaccines or whatever... Like, only the richest of rich could afford this, and that's what makes it even worse. To be it's honest. just such a horrible. It's exploitative. Exploitative of people in a really desperate situation, and it's, it's just it's shocking. He would convince them he was giving them vaccines to protect them from foreign diseases, just like get your inoculations before yeah. you go abroad. You know, it's a, it's a new place, like, you'll need this. Convince them that they need to get it, and actually, he was injecting them with cyanide, so they would die almost immediately. And then just to make things worse charging them and getting their money before they died then he would go and loot their bodies it's so shocking he would take all of their jewelry their belongings any gold teeth things like that dumping their bodies in the sen yeah it's it's absolutely it's, awful it's horrific so by this time the war was fully underway and with more german gestapo on the streets it became increasingly difficult to transport bodies in this way without being caught yeah. so he's going like in the middle of the night to the send to like drop off body parts and apparently people saw him driving one of these uh, riding one of these like bicycles with like you know the little do you know what i mean like a little cart on the back yeah i know what you mean covered in tarp so super suspicious so many people saw him with this with like bodies in well well it's suspected that's how he was oh transporting gosh. these like parts on the back of his little bike oh my god and so he had to improvise at this point because he couldn't just go out on the streets because even at night there were german guards that would catch him. So he had to improvise by disintegrating the bodies in vats of chemicals. He kind of used quicklime and things like that to disintegrate them in his own garage. Oh, God. So more and more people start talking about kind of this suspicious behaviour and maybe people going... And this Dr. Eugène, he fled to another part of Paris. Yeah. So now he doesn't have any of his accomplices. He's kind of working alone. So he's got to get even more inventive of like new ways to, you know, fuel his kind of habit, but yes. without all the man power. Manpower, that's the word, manpower. After a while, his new neighbours in this new part of Paris would report strange smells and gases coming from the chimney of his new mansion because, as we know, he was making an absolute mint doing what he was doing. Yeah. He was in a very, very affluent part of um, Paris, really nice houses. And, you know, people are like, I don't want to be living around here with this house across the road where there's, like, noxious gases coming out the chimney. It and stinks it all the awful. time. So people were, like, after a little while, people were kind of like, okay, let's just put it down to, I don't know, like a, a leak or something like that. And then they started to call the police because they were like, okay, this is getting a little bit, like, incessant yeah. now. Kind of a bit sick of it. Yes. So the police were called to investigate. But when they turned up to his house, he was nowhere to be found. Apparently, there was a note on the door saying, you know, I'm, I'm out of town. Oh so but apparently they managed to get hold of him somehow the, from the notes I found. Yeah. They managed to get hold of him. And he said, OK, I'm on my way. So I don't know how they got hold of the guy. Maybe he was like pretending to be at another practice or yeah. something. like. But anyway, he said he would come back. So after about an hour of waiting, you know, the police wait around. They're kind of waiting for him to come come to the house but it gets so bad they force entry into his house and find several scalps limbs strewn across the floor and in like medical bags and like oh, um God. 
just different bags and kind of containers with yes. like limbs and like feet sticking out bones and burnt bodies in the basement furnace as well as large containers of this quicklime we were talking about it was enough limbs to make 10 combined bodies but oh, they were all awful. separate and apparently two of the police officers were sick right there and then from oh, what they saw so Believe it or not, Petio actually arrived at the house soon after the discovery and he attempted to justify what he had done by saying that these were like traitors because this is like, you know, a time where there they were like Nazi soldiers yes. in the house with the police and they were like, what, what, you know, who are these people? What have you fucking done? And all of this. And he's saying that they were like resistance fighters. Yeah. So he was kind of justifying what he was doing, saying that he was kind of doing a good thing by killing all these people. He had slain them, basically. So he was yeah. he was in the right by what oh, he was doing. And like such a scummy thing about this is that he was pretending to be a resistance fighter to a lot of people. Yeah. And then he was pretending to be on the Gestapo. Yeah. He's playing off both sides. Yeah, kind of um a Nazi sympathizer as well, saying that he was on their side and like Yeah, killing all it's of these. just like this guy has no qualms about it. he's just gonna play off whatever side. There's just it's no morals. There. There's no morals at all. It's really it's it's not it's not good. Even more surprisingly based on what he was kind of justifying, the police left him to it. I can't believe that. They just said, okay, clean this all up, will ya? This is a, because he's a doctor. So you can kind of say, yeah, these are all specimens. I need to investigate all of these. You know, I've done this and people bring them yeah, to my house. Why are they in your house, Marcel? He, he, let's not forget, this guy was super charismatic. He could like charm the legs of a horse. Oh my gosh. I mean, how charismatic do you have to be to pull that off? Very. Very, very, very. So, yeah, he was kind of, he placated them for enough time. Yeah. But there was already an investigation going on in the pre, the other part of Paris that he used to live in with all the other accomplices. Some of them had already been arrested. Some of them were, like, in questioning and, like, naming him. Well, I've heard that they were questioned because they thought they were resistance, like, fighters. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they basically thought that they were the resistance. They were getting questioned by the Gestapo. Mm -hmm. But they obviously couldn't name it any other resistance fires because they actually weren't mm. they were obviously just doing this absolutely horrible like these horrible murders that's the only thing they were doing because they actually couldn't give any names other than his oh i didn't know that i knew that he was arrested um for being a resistance fighter at one point and like the the german gestapo like kept him for a few months that's yeah because that's what they thought him. they thought he was help they thought he was actually helping people move to argentina which is what his accomplices got arrested for mm. obviously that's not the case it was much worse wor much much worse so well, obviously helping people escape would have been the good thing to do yes yes as we know yeah yeah so um as we say there was a, a, a an investigation going on where he was in the previous part of Paris so they kind of like were putting the feelers out in other parts of Paris to the local police like stations I yeah. guess so where he was living at that time the local police soon found out about this guy and um, they returned to his house now they know where he's lit where he lives and they came to arrest him but funny enough he wasn't there again out of town again he goes on a lot of travel he does. He assumed many names, as we yeah. know. I think you've got one that he kind of went under when he was pretending to be a resistance fighter. Well, he, first of all, I know that he stayed with a lot of friends. Oh, while, okay. This is one of my favourite facts that I read. He stayed with different friends until his beard grew. Ah, yes. So that then he could have basically a disguise. And then he went under the name Henry Valerie. Okay, yeah. And that's when he basically, and he did really well as Henry Valerie. I think that he took this name when Paris had been liberated. Mm. And that's when he took that name and he basically became Captain 
in charge of counter espionage and prisoner interrogations. And also tasked with finding the killer doctor that everybody had heard about, yes. which I find absolutely riotous. Yeah. He was tasked with finding himself. And also you mentioned a little bit about this was a part, the time when like France was liberated. But just before that, the reason that he got away with like like hopping around from sofa to yeah. sofa for so long is because the police just didn't have time to look for yeah, killers because this is during like a world war. So they just didn't have time no, to deal didn't. with something so minor at that time at that time yeah. they had bigger they had bigger fish to fry you know no it's very true so the funny thing about and his undercover kind of persona is that to be a captain in those kind of ranks you need a background check so that was kind of his undoing they did this yeah. background check they found out that he was this guy and so his face was plastered all over these newspapers people kind of were like oh that's a bit suspicious i can't it kind of looks a lot like this guy and found out who he actually was he and was- something else that was quite funny is that apparently there was a newspaper article about him oh right like henry petio and marcel petio oh yeah i've got even i'm getting confused with his bloody pseudonyms god damn it marcel (laughs) and yeah basically there was a newspaper article slagging him off as like marcel petio and saying he'd lied in this trial you know the trial he went to where the witnesses were missing yeah and he basically wrote to like one of the lawyers like that isn't true what you're printing isn't true and that's how and then they realized he was still in paris because of where that came from so he was so annoyed by something basically being said about him in the newspaper that he kind of gave his location away that he was still there that is almost like textbook serial killer is it not where they say like they they insert themselves into investigations it's kind of like the zodiac killer did yeah exactly so many other serial killers do this where they're like you're saying the wrong thing it happened here not exactly get it right it's kind of an infamy thing i think they want to be almost celebrated so they want you to get all those facts completely right in 1944, somebody spotted him at a train station and identified him as Marcel Petiot, the Dr. Serial Killer, or as he was then known, Dr. Satan. Had Dr. Death, and now we've got Dr. Satan. It was estimated at the time that he had killed a total of around 135 people, and he was actually ended up, he ended up being convicted of killing 26 people. During his trial, he admitted to killing way more than that, though. It's thought the numbers were in the hundreds. So, yes. shocking behaviour. Um, he was sentenced to... He was sentenced to death by beheading by way of guillotine and was killed on the 26th of May 1946 after only two months after the trial. So, they didn't hang about. No. They wanted well, him gone. I don't blame them. He, need, he needed to get gone. What do we think about this then, guys? I... I just think it's such a wild story that I just feel like that there were so many times where they should have picked up on the fact that there was something very, very wrong with this man and he Mm -hmm. just slipped through the cracks. I think it was quite a bad time as well. Of course it was. I think, you know, he he was in the army during the First World War and he was doing, he was, he was taking advantage of the fact that there weren't enough resources to uncover what he was doing. That is an interesting point because I guess I'm looking at it from a perspective of why are you letting this yeah. you know someone who's clearly very mentally unwell but you're right they needed doctors they needed people in the army they needed they basically wanted they needed the numbers so yeah. and he enrolled in the uh, in the french army in the first world war when he was a teenager yeah, so before that you kind of put you kind of put that um behavior down to instead of it being super worrying it's kind of yeah. like an adolescent so yes it's worrying behavior but it's not anything that you could you would kind of 
kind of put anyone into an no. institution for because they're a teenager you know maybe yeah. they'll grow out of it you kind of give, give someone a chance when they're young no he didn't grow out of it did he he just no. got worse and worse and worse and what I find is interesting is that obviously with the kleptomania the fact that it started with like such little things wasn't it it was like stealing the mail and mm. it was then stealing blankets it was he didn't really tend to steal high ticket items until obviously later on mm. but originally he he just did love it he always loved the thrill of it didn't he this was somebody who clearly just that's loves the thrill kleptomania of... is all about yeah. isn't it it's the thrill of you know taking something and nobody yeah. knows about it that's the point isn't it it doesn't matter yeah. what it is i guess it's and just that you've got it and you're right he was like such i think you're right it's a combination of the fact that he was a very charismatic man in a very troubled time yeah that he could that basically if you were like a semi-okay doctor in these times fine it would yeah. they would look past like the little things like the stealing and the drug use i think it would be really interesting to have a first-hand account of what it was like to like have him be your doctor if you see what I mean yeah. like from from people who he just tended to in a normal being like being a doctor, being yeah. a doctor what he was like to yeah. deal with I, th- I can imagine he would just be like everybody else maybe a bit weird kind of like um we were talking about Harold Chipman like yeah yeah he was a bit weird but he was a good doctor do you know what I mean and he yeah. was like my family doctor and stuff like that so. yeah and as you say he was well liked like the fact that he won an election to become mayor absolutely wild wild the fact that he then embezzles the funds but is still well liked enough that they want to keep him on the council it's i don't understand they must have been just so desperate and also i just you know he was super corrupt like (laughs) there's all this bribery going on and the fact that he fixed this kind of main debate that made him win it's just it it was just from start to finish his whole life is an absolute shambles it really is and he just took it like way way too far when he started getting other people involved and just what he did during the second world war awful like exploiting these people who are already being it's just the most morally bankrupt thing isn't it it's taking people at a point of such desperation and i think what's really upsetting about it is that you're giving that first of all you're giving these people hope yeah escape Mm -hmm. and then taking all of their money and let's be honest in those times who could afford that that's a crazy amount like even now that's a lot of money yeah back then that would have been a crazy amount also, of money. So think think about now. If if it was happening and you were charging, so we were saying it was around half a million euros. Yeah. You're talking about the richest of rich, yeah. like A, B, C list celebrities and really like kind of well-known people in Paris. So surely some people would kind of, I don't know. I guess know? what he was taking advantage of was the fact that people would think they would be trying to escape yeah. or because of how awful the time was, a lot of people wouldn't care what happened to them. And he knew that and took yeah. that as, and it's awful. He knew that but they're so desperate to escape. No one's going to ask if they're gone. Mm. I can, I can do this. It's just, oh, it's Yeah, horrible. just inject them with cyanide, take all of their belongings and put them in a furnace and burn them. I just think it's absolutely horrific. It really horrible, is. Horrible, horrible man. And interestingly enough, though, I haven't actually, he's not someone I'd heard of before. No, I think I saw it in um, like a BuzzFeed article. It was just like this story of this doctor yeah. who like dropped a grenade on his own foot and then became a serial killer. I was like, oh, sorry, what? So that's why I was like, we need to do an episode yeah. on this because this is wild. And I think, and that's another testament of the times. Like, I think the fact that if it hadn't been during World War Two, we'd probably know a lot more about it. But you're right. It's yeah. obviously there were such horrendous things happening 
you, this is a little story that I guess you wouldn't know about, but it's actually, when you hear about it, it's absolutely shocking. When you think about, yeah, because there were a, a decent amount of atrocities, we know that, yeah. during this time. And the fact that he's kind of doing them on his own, like yeah. what what soldiers were doing on their own and what other countries were doing like yeah. themselves were bad enough. But this guy thinks, no, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah, I, I Kill, don't Killing people in the streets, I, I'd have a bit of that. Yeah, it's just absolutely, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. It's what um, it's very interesting. So, guys, yeah, I definitely recommend having a look into it because it is it is a very yeah. unusual story. It's, yeah, it's just jam packed with like horrible, horrible, facts. absolute horror and, and unbelievable things. Yeah, like there were so many points where I when I when I was researching this that I would stop and go, "What?" Yeah, I'm sorry, what? What man? What? And there is um a book and a film about it as well, and I think the film was like from nineteen ninety or something like that. It was nineteen ninety. Oh, I was trying to find it on Netflix, but I couldn't find it on UK Netflix. Oh. So if anyone's heard of this guy or has any more facts to chime in with, we would love to hear about it because this is honestly one of the wildest things yes. that we've heard about. And although his kind of body count isn't as high as maybe like Harold Shipman, I I definitely think I might put him on my like number one worst. Yeah. I agree. Just someone who's so morally bankrupt. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know what your thoughts were, guys. If you do have any facts, um, also, if you do want to correct any of my awful pronunciations, please do. I'm so sorry if I butchered any of those names. Yeah, we tried our best, but we you understand our best. we are English. Yes, <laughs> yes, we are. And we're not, we're not good at those. Yeah, we stupid. We stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that episode and love to hear what you think. So thank you for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed that episode. We would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. So if you do want to, you know, go on Spotify and rate us or anywhere else that you listen, that would be fantastic. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Good Pods, Podchaser, Podbean, and now... Da, 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 da. we are on patreon patreon woo! so yes if you want to hear like exclusive content so there'll be episodes that we won't release for for free they'll yeah. be on our patreon so some extra episodes stuff and that you will not hear here here, here, here. stuff that you will not be able to access here will be on our patreon so please go there there's super super juicy stuff that we put a lot of time and effort into so it's not just going to be stuff that we're like oh we'll record this five second thing for our patreon they're like full episodes that we put a lot of time into so please go there please support us it, it it's three pounds a month three pounds you won't even notice it it's less than a coffee exactly so exactly. just think, think about it as buying us a coffee exactly and also, if there's anything you wanted us to do on our Patreon, we're open yes. to ideas. We were thinking of doing, you know, things like quizzes. Um, yeah. We also both like drawing. Ellie's really good. I'm really bad. So maybe um, we'll still do some exclusive pictures. Oh, yes. We would love that. And yeah, if you honestly, if you guys have any feedback or any kind of input at all, we are part of one big family. It's not like us and then there's you. We kind of want to be kind of together and... Yeah, just like Aww, how sentimental. Oh, Isn't she a cutie? See, she's so cute, so you should join our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, you won't even notice the three pound gone, honestly. You pay you pay more than that for Netflix, so really, you should help us out to get better equipment. <laughs> exactly. And also caramel soy lattes. Yeah. Anyway, so on that note, yes, as I say, please go on to our Patreon and support us and you can interact with us most of the time on Twitter at 
the unnamed murder PC. Send us a little message. We'd love to hear from you. See you later. Bye. Bye.